Well, we have all had an experience of looking for something, I imagine. Maybe when it came time to leave for church this morning, you went, where are my keys? Or I know that Ed forgot to look for his name tag this morning, but greeting went fine, Ed, even without your name tag. Sometimes it's pretty straightforward what we're looking for, especially when it's an object, like your name tag or your keys. Sometimes it's not quite so straightforward. I was visiting in a home of a toddler, and he was toddling around the house and looking under the dining room table and peering behind the couch, and finally someone said, what are you looking for? And he said, Daddy. And Daddy wasn't there. I don't know if they played hide-and-seek or why he thought he would find Dad under the dining room table, but sometimes we know where to look and what we're looking for, and sometimes it's not quite as straightforward. Well, in the passage that Pastor Mike just read for us, there's lots of seeing, looking, even finding. The second portion of the passage, John gives a testimony. He tells two of his disciples, or maybe more, but there's two that are singled out in this story. John gives a testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven and remain on him. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. <clears throat> so sometimes others tell us about their experiences of Jesus. And sometimes they demonstrate their understanding of the good news of Jesus in the ways they live. These are two aspects of witness one of the five things we commit to do together in community upon our baptism. Y'all remember? Our prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness. I see some blank faces, Pastor Mike. <laughs> Two aspects of witness. And witness is to see, right? Sometimes we get testimony from others, what they have seen. Sometimes we see it ourselves in the ways they live or speak or act. You might see it and tell me or I see it in you. Both can be witness and I might add both are available to the visually impaired. Witness is helping me see Jesus in a broad sense not limited to eyesight. So John tells two of his followers what he has seen and believes, and when he sees Jesus again, he invites his two friends to see firsthand. Look, or behold, depending on your translation, says John in this passage. And the two do follow Jesus to see for themselves. When Jesus sees them following him, and asks them what they're looking for, do you remember how they replied? Somewhat strange, a puzzling question. Where are you staying? They ask. Maybe they're not quite sure what they're looking for yet, or why they're there. And that happens, right? We probably identify with being curious or seeking, but not even sure what exactly we're looking for. 
So these two guys in the scriptures passage need more information. They answer Jesus' question with a question of their own. Perhaps, where are you staying? Means they want a glimpse of Jesus' life. They have a glimpse of Jesus the person. And they want to see more of his life and what it might mean to follow him. When they ask about where he's staying, I don't think it's curiosity about how he decorates or a desire to meet his roommates, but to see what they might be getting themselves into. Jesus seems to understand that when he asked, what are you looking for? And they essentially replied, well, we're still looking. Come and see, he says. So they go and see and spend the day with him. And they continue to follow, for we find out in the last bit of the passage that Pastor Mike read that one of them is Andrew, who invites his brother Simon Peter to come and see and follow as well. They spend the next years of their lives continuing to see what it means to follow Jesus. It can take a lifetime to follow, look, and see who Jesus is and what it means for us, right? So how about us? How do we continue to look for Jesus, to see new implications of the good news? How do we continue to live out following Jesus, seeking to be like him, such that others see Jesus? in our lives. Maybe we think we've seen Jesus and we know who he is, but the invitation to come and see remains, and we can continue to accept the invitation. As I was thinking about this passage and preparing for this sermon, the U2 song kept going through my head. Have you been hearing it yourself, maybe, with what are you looking for? But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. The narrator in that song has gone out of his way, seeking, has had significant experiences along the way, and has authentic faith, but still hasn't found what he's looking for. Same for us. All that we're looking for is not yet revealed or has not yet come to pass. This is a Wesleyan sentiment, though I'm not sure if any of the members of the band claim a Wesleyan heritage or identity, though I believe they all claim Christianity in some form. Anyway, for us as United Methodists in the Wesleyan tradition, we pursue perfection seeking to know Jesus well and follow him in exactly the ways God invites us and equips us to do, this is a lifelong endeavor. Surely others still haven't found what they are looking for either. And they may just get a little closer in a community of faith and a relationship with Jesus so we can invite others to come and see, like Jesus does the two men and like Andrew does with his brother Simon. This could be sharing a testimony from your own life or inviting people to church or 
finding another way to offer a glimpse into our life of faith and practice together. How can you invite someone this week to come and see? I didn't notice the clock until I had already started, so I'm not quite sure where I am with time. Uh, but I, I got a few minutes. So it is Martin Luther King Civil Rights Weekend. So I'm, I'm going to wrap up with a little different take on Come and See, the title of this sermon. I like to reread King's letter from the Birmingham jail for Martin Luther King Day. Civil Rights Weekend, it is an invitation to come and see. If you recall, this letter is a response to well-meaning white clergy who were sympathetic to the cause and generally supported the civil rights movement, but who publicly expressed concern and caution about the timing and content of King's leadership at a particular time. King's letter invites them into his experience and perspective. I'd like to read you most of a paragraph from that letter, condensed just a bit. In the words of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Perhaps it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait, but when you've seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will, when you've seen hate-filled policemen curse kick, even kill your black brothers and sisters, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, when you suddenly find your tongue twisted, your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she can't go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television and see tears welling up in her eyes when she's told, Fun town is closed to colored children, and see ominous clouds of inferiority beginning to form in her little mental sky, and see her beginning to distort her personality by developing an unconscious bitterness toward white people. When you have to concoct an answer for a five-year-old son who's asking, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? When you take a cross-country drive and find it necessary to sleep, night after night in the uncomfortable corners of your automobile because no motel will accept you, when you're humiliated day in and day out by nagging signs reading white and colored, when you're harried by day and haunted by night by the fact you are a Negro, living constantly at tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect next, plagued with inner fears and outer resentments when you are forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodyness, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. Uncomfortable, yes? He essentially asks, do you know what it's like to be me? and invites readers to come and see. The answer to that question for the original recipients of the letter and for most of us has to be no. We have not directly experienced what you describe. So then how can we be patronizing or condescending and conclude how he should respond 
and act. This is not critical race theory, friends. This is simply the testimony of a man seeking to bear witness to the realities of oppression and racism that he experienced in everyday life. This is history generally, and this is an invitation to examine ourselves personally anew. When we come and see, including when we sing, lift every voice and sing as we did for our opening hymn, we honor the history, experiences, and identity of our fellow citizens. Are there perspectives, experiences, identities we might benefit from with an opportunity to come and see? In a time of division in our country and in our denomination, perhaps even in our neighborhoods, come and see might be exactly what we need. Opportunities to see and understand one another, or at least gain some empathy and compassion. So in conclusion, for real, we've seen that by entering another's home or skin, experiencing who they are and where they live, our perspective may change and our calling may be clarified. This is true of Jesus first, of course, and the invitation from Jesus to come and see remains for us. This is true of others as well, and worth reflecting on this Civil Rights Weekend. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.